it, it, it has to be more than just coming to the table and saying, I have values. You know, I tell, I tell clients of mine that we have to get from having stuff on the wall to having those things walk around the organization. You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. And now without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hey there, No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. Welcome back for another episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. I'm Sarah Box, your host of this podcast where we are on a mission to help individuals, teams, and organizations, our nonprofit brothers and sisters, to think outside the box, move beyond limiting beliefs, and create a profound impact in the lives of others in this in our country and beyond. And we do this by sharing accomplished and inspiring guests who have challenged limiting labels and beliefs in their own life to pursue and accomplish personal and professional goals. And today's guest is no exception to that. And I'm thrilled to welcome you to another insightful episode of this podcast because we are going to be joined by, an, by S. Elliot Brooks III. And I just am going to refer to him as Elliot. Um, he was born in the heart of Greenville, South Carolina, and his journey has been a remarkable one thus far. He not only graduated from Oakwood University and Western Governors University School of Business, but he's also a dedicated husband to his college sweetheart, Takesha. I love that. And a proud father of three beautiful children. His impressive academic journey and personal life, Elliot adds to that as an ordained minister. And you're going to hear his heart come out in our conversation. But what truly sets Elliot apart is his role as a founder of the Elliot Brooks Group. And it's a consulting firm with a mission to help nonprofit executives elevate workforce engagement and performance. He has an amazing philosophy around how he does that work, and his approach revolves around aligning vision, communication, and strategy for that meaningful impact that we've been talking about. That's not all. He's also a co-author of a book, Collaboration Creates Currency. Love that name. His passion is to teach the purpose of teamwork and envisioning a world where purpose drives the way we work. So you hear this, he's got alignment from the top down, and I mean from the top down. Um, so he's here to share his wisdom, insights, and experiences. And I know I am in for an inspiring conversation with Elliot that transcends limits and unlocks the labels we may have placed on ourselves. So welcome to the show, Elliot, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for the opportunity to be on. And uh, we are so grateful to be a part of this podcast, especially uh, having the opportunity to meet you and just to get to know you very well. You are amazing. So I, I want to celebrate you as well as you continue to uh, press forward and be uh, a light of impact for uh, nonprofits and beyond. Well, thank you. So for our listeners, I had an opportunity. Elliot was introduced to me through another person who I know and respect very much, Nadine Mullins. And I've, yeah. she's been a guest on the podcast and I've worked with her, but she just has a heart for the heart, for mm -hmm. the heart center. <laughs> so Elliot and I had an opportunity to chat previously. And I just knew after meeting him and talking with him that he would bring so much to this community and to the other folks who are listening. So but let me ask you, let's get let's start kind of with a little historical perspective. <laughs> so you you've gone from your whole academic pursuits to your role as an ordained minister and now as the founder of the Elliott Brooks Group. Yeah. And you've got that focus on empowering nonprofits and promoting purpose driven work. Um but I noticed in your information that you turned down a basketball scholarship <laughs> to do that. So have you always been so clear on your path that you knew to turn that down or was that a big quandary for you? Yeah, so I was pretty clear on what I was planning to do at the time and uh, basketball, I, I always, you know, thought of uh, the idea of going to the NBA. I don't know if uh, I feel personally that I was I was good enough to do so, but, you know, reality will teach you. So I don't know. I never got the opportunity to really test that. But I was a pretty, pretty good athlete, football, basketball, volleyball, baseball. I, I, I 
pretty much could do it all. Um, so, but I was very clear as far as what I was going to do by the time I was graduating high school. Uh, I knew I was going to study to be a pastor, uh, and it has evolved in many uh, facets since then. Wow. So how has that, I mean, that's a young age to be that clear. <laughs> I mean, I know some folks know that, but I would say many, many young people aren't as clear as you were at that point mm. in your life, right? So how has being ha having that clarity shaped kind of your perspective and fueled that passion um, for helping nonprofits and, le and the leaders of the nonprofits? Yes, I, I, I just feel like that for me, in the type of home that I grew up in, my father is also a pastor. Um, uh, my mother worked in uh, in kind of law as a paralegal. And um, I just learned kind of this straightforward, clear pathway type of mentality from them. Uh, they grew up in a different type of background uh, than I. They provided uh, a better lifestyle for me and my siblings. And it was pretty clear early on through experiences. Uh, I wanted to at first be a dentist and uh, I was totally just doing that because of I could set my own schedule and I could make some good money. But as I continue to have different experiences, I've always since I was little, always wanted to be in a space where I could help people. And as I was uh, matriculating through life, I found myself in some experiences such as one, particularly I was doing uh, Bible work for a congregation in North Carolina. And I saw uh, before my eyes the transformation of a couple who were in one you know, facet of life uh, and through our connections, through our relationship and just kind of studying uh, the Bible, they transformed into a whole different uh, situation for them personally and their uh, and those people that they were connected to over a span of maybe three to six months. And that was kind of a pivotal moment where it's like, I want to do this for the rest of my life to to see transformation before my very eyes was kind of very clear in the idea of wanting to help people. So that kind of built this uh, clear pathway of what I wanted to do. Uh, going into college, having that specific experience in, in, in my senior year of high school, actually. So it was very clear because of some of the experiences I've had growing up in the household I grew up in, but also uh, having experience in seeing what helping people look like. And I was like, this is the way that I should go in order to, uh, to accomplish this uh, specific vision in my life. So I wasn't planning to ask you this question, but now I'm going to because you made me wonder. <laughs> I'm curious. So I, but that's a very pivotal point in your life, right? You were yeah. you knew leaving high school because of this experience that you had. And I'm wondering, um, you have children. Yes. Yes. So how old are your kids? I have three kids. I have my son who is nine, Noel, uh, Nyla, who's seven. She's the girl. And then my smallest, who is also a girl, that's Nalia. She is two. Ooh, okay, so they're still a little younger than you were at that point in your Very life. Very much so. But would you see encouraging them to do something in service like that before they're out of high school so they could get a sense as, you know, instead of like, here's your whole wide world, figure it yeah. out now you're 18? <laughs> Absolutely. I think I think everyone should. I think everyone should be, I think everyone should have the freedom to discover and I think that the earlier you are in that position to do so, the more opportunities you have to see what type of lane fits you. Uh, but also at the same time, uh, discovery evolves. And as you go through certain experiences, you, in my opinion, it will start to even clarify all the more. So absolutely, I would definitely embrace for my kids to uh, be a part of as many things as they can be a part of. Even now, my son plays the cello and my daughter plays the violin. Then my daughter wants to start acting and, and my youngest is two year old and Leah is just singing all over the house. So we're like, man, we should early on put her into singing classes. So, so just giving them as many options as possible for them to discover themselves and, and go the pathway that they are, have been destined to go in. It gives a whole new name to your company named the Elliott Brooks Group. It, it could be actually a real group. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll see that on the stages. Okay, let's get back to nonprofits. So you emphasize the significance of three things, vision, purpose, and teamwork. Mm-hmm. Can you talk more about that? Explain to me and the listeners like how that fits together in your work. Absolutely. Well, that, that, that first, that first uh, stair to the staircase is, is that vision, is having very, uh, a very clear direction on where you're trying to go. Uh, so that's one component. We, we, Elliott Brooks Group, really focus on uh, helping nonprofit executives cultivate vision, human connections, and high-performing cultures. So you do that by having clear vision. You do that by understanding the people you work with, and you do that by helping them understand how to work with each other as well as you as the leader. So we we believe directly in the idea of you have to be clear on where you're going. You can't. It's too many. Too many times we find ourselves in places where we are operating based on the short term without long term in mind. And we wonder why we find ourselves hitting walls is because we are long term beings. We we desire to have an idea of where we're going. Uh, it, the same with the animal kingdom as well. There, I always tell the story of uh, the African impala, that the African impala is able to do a ridiculous amount of things with with its giftedness from a body perspective, the way it, how high it jumps, how fast it runs. Yet these same creatures are able to be enclosed in in zoos with these short three foot uh, gates, uh, keeping them from escaping. And the reality is, what you'll find is that the impala struggles to uh, to jump over something that's easy to jump over because the impala will not jump without knowing where its feet will land. So the, it, it just stays comfortable. But it shows the innate uh, uh, desire that we have to to have to know what we're doing every step of the way. So it's hard to lead people that are unclear on where they're going. Uh, and even more directly, it's hard to lead, lead people and expect engagement from from individuals that are not sure why we're doing what we're doing. So directly when it comes to vision and what we provide is helping an executive directly understand how to make that vision clear so that we know where we're going. And we have a, a, a specific custom framework where I've introduced this idea of looking at vision, mission, and core values with as a strategic uh, direction. So number one, vision. I have, you know, I've read this, these books that, that, that a lot of others have read, and I have a little different contribution to the space. But I know I see a lot of organizations look at mission first, vision second, and values third. But I flip it with vision first, mission, and core values. That's because vision is the long-term destination, I call it. It is where we are trying to go. So if you look at my system, we, we call it W2H1, which is where, what, why, and how. And it is really idea of vision being where are we going? What's the destination? And so, for example, I'll say it in kind of a, a um, example of if you're taking a trip, let's say you're trying to get from New York to California. The vision is to get to California. That is the clear destination of where you're trying to go. The mission would be what roads am I going to take to get to California? It is, it is, it is the why and the what. So it is what roads are we going to take and why are we even going to California? We're going to California perhaps because Thanksgiving is coming up and all of our families there and we want to have a good time with our family members. That's the vision. That is that the vision is destination of California. The mission is we want to be there for the sake of Thanksgiving celebration with the people we love and the and the what that goes along with that why is the roadmap to get there what roads are you paving to get to California we're going to take this interstate we're going to take this highway we're going to stop at this gas station and then the core values I explain it is the how the how as in what vehicle are we going to take to get to to go down the missions roadmap to get to the visions destination of California. And so when it comes to vision, when you're able to articulate very clearly what where are we trying to go? What's the destination for this organization? For example, you may think of Habitat for Humanity. Their destination is that every 
human beings should have a decent place to live. That's the destination. And then you see the roadmap and you see the values that that drives them there. And values is a very important piece of vision because values is your vehicle. It's going to it's going to be the vehicle of how you're going to get there. So, for example, you may say the 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 um the vehicle is faith for purpose of where, you know, my space. I'm a believer. I'm in the faith space most of my time, especially a pastor. And it's faith It's every decision I make has to have a component of faith within it to get to the destination. So when you make decisions as a team, as an organization, you are able to identify the vehicle you're going in to get that destination because it's like, okay, we see something that when, it, when we look on paper, it doesn't make sense how we're going to get there. But when you remember, no, the vehicle we're taking, the Tesla or the BMW or the Mercedes we're driving to get there says that we have to, our engine is based out of faith. So we have to add that component to this decision and we're going to say, okay, we know that it doesn't make sense, but perhaps faith may be that we're going to call uh, these thousand names and we're going to uh, show them the destination and we're going to ask them to be a part of that 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 initiative and they may blow our minds by giving us a certain amount of money that says oh we did not have this on paper but now we're able to make this impact because we took we made the decision based off of faith and not based off of reality or what we see before or fact if you will so i hope that answers the question is really uh is really the idea of being very clear in order to call people to something people are engaged when they know what they're doing you did answer the question, um, so thank you for that, but you jam-packed some really powerful <laughs> things in there. So one of the things I want to tease out, a couple of things. I like that you distinguish between the vision and the mission, because I, I use a slightly different language, but it's the same thing. The mm -hmm. vision is really the long-term end destination, and sometimes it'll be with, it will be exceeding our grasp, right? Yes. That's We're constantly going in that direction. Our mission is why are we even doing this? Like, yes. what's the intent? Yes. Um, but when you layered on those values, and I think, and I, I want your reflection on this and to test me on it, but when we don't actually have values that mean anything, mm. like, so you'll see people, these are our corporate values. But if you really watch the organization, you're thinking, I don't see those displayed. I Absolutely. see those being like signals, like we're a good company, here's our values, versus we use these to make decisions. Like you just said, if it doesn't have a component of faith, we're not ready to make a decision. Yeah. Right? If it doesn't do X, it is incongruent with who we are and our long-term vision. Am I understanding how you use um, values? Absolutely. Absolutely. It is, it is being able to, well, before I jump there, you said something very pivotal, and that is values that have meaning. It is right. intentional that we understand it is not just come to the table and saying, okay, well, our value is respect and or our value is, you know, relationship, community. It, it, it has to be more than just coming to the table and saying, I have values. You know, I tell, I tell clients of mine that we have to get from having stuff on the wall to having those things walk around the organization. And when we're developing our values, we have to be very intentional about what exactly do we value? You know, you're not going to just jump in a car and say, we're going to California. You're going to be very intentional about what vehicle you're going to take, uh, how we're going to drive this, who's going to be the driver. And, and, and these things have to be just as meticulous in our decision making when we decide our values because they have to have meaning. Uh, I was on. A, I was. <laughs> I'm a part of a a a, prof, a a board for a nonprofit school, and just even last evening we was asked about what's the vision, what's the mission, what's the core values uh, as we was being trained as new board members for accreditation coming up, and no one really had an answer, and and I was just sitting there like this is so often the response I get when I'm the person asking the question, but. I add a little uh, extra to that question. I always ask, what's the vision? What's the mission? What's the values without looking at it? Right. Because <laughs> that's a stumper. <laughs> it's like, okay, don't, no, don't get your phone out. 
<laughs> because we're so quick to just memorize or, you know, just show that we know the words. But when you're looking for engagement, when you're looking for buy-in, it has to mean something. It has to be actually the practices of the organization, not just something that hangs on the wall. And I think that's where a lot of our issues uh, take place at is when we're just trying to have something written for the sake of being able to provide or produce something to whoever we are uh, uh, responsible to. Uh, and, you know, even with clients, I always tell them that you want your vision, your mission, your values to be inspired, not obligated. And many of us do a lot of it out of obligation instead of inspiration. Agree. Well, and it's almost like one of those things, check the box. Do you Absolutely. have a vision? Check the box. Mission, check the box. But nobody resonates with it. Um, yes. And I find like, even when people say, here's our values, if I spend a day with a, a group, a nonprofit, and I walk away, I can tell you what their values are by how they treat each other, <laughs> how they have conversations, right? Yes. And most of their very positive values, they, they offer, they're, in, they're owned. They own them. Mm but they mm -hmm. can't express them. And I think so that what you're saying is like we're trying to make it look a certain way to the outside versus how is it? And one of the strongest organizations that I work with, and they're small, but I think they're like small but mighty. They mm. are so aligned in how they show up for work, for each other, and for their community. And if someone said, well, they did this, I'd go, yeah, I could see them doing that. That's yeah. totally, <laughs> even if it makes it hard on them, they'll do it because it's the right thing to do. It's their value. Yeah. So um, thanks for talking more about that, because I, I sometimes think people think values are fluff. And I, and I hold this for myself. Right. Mm. It's on a, a personal level as a leader. My values have to drive what I do and how I talk. Be, like I could be in a place where I just want to have a temper tantrum. Right. I'm frustrated. Things <laughs> have gone wrong. I'm thinking, Sarah, really, what are your values? You yeah. deal with that separate. Because that's not for others, right, at this point. You have supports and all that. Hey there, everybody. I want to take just a minute out of this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast to tell you that we are officially opening the Sandbox membership in September. So if you're not already on our mailing list, please click the link below to either sign up for the membership or get on the waiting list for the membership. And if you click the link, you'll find more information about what's included, what our plans are, and better yet, you'll be on early enough to help decide what is most important to you to experience in the first three to six months of the membership. So don't wait, click the link below and join us in the sandbox where fun happens. We get to do a little R&R, little learning, support one another, and really grow and expand in ourselves, in our lives, and impact the world in a profound way. So come on over, join us. So let's talk, then let's bring it down more on a personal organization level. I wanted to ask, when you start talking values, do you also, let's say a new executive director has come into an organization, so the values have been established. Do you work with them to look at how do their personal values align with that so that they can be congruent. How do you manage that? Because I find that's an interesting, sometimes an interesting transition. Yeah, very much so. I think it starts with understanding who you are. So yes, the, the answer is yes, um, is it's, it's understanding who you are and that it inspires or it motivates, it drives how you go about your leadership. Uh, if you, a lot of the issues that a lot of us leaders have is that we really do not know ourselves. We do not understand how we function. Uh, we, we, as I, I stated um, with some leaders before, when I first got into leadership, when I first, because I've been in leadership from a very young age, it's, 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 it's a long story, but yes, I've been in leadership for years and I started very young. And people would tell you how to lead. They would, you know, tell you need to make sure people respect you. That you need to make sure that people understand your authority. You need to make sure that people get work done. You need to make sure you check off these these boxes in the list. And what I've learned in my leadership early on was that I was trying to mimic other leaders 
that I, I never got to the point of leadership in those days because leadership is not about uh, following a rule brick or, or a book per se. It is about the authenticity about who you are and how you're able to influence other people to accomplish a uh, global impact, in my opinion. So leadership starts with understanding who you are, understanding how you function so that you uh, have, a, have a stage or a foundation on how you will go about X, Y, and Z before you start calling anybody else to, to it. Number two is understanding the people you lead. It is, it is taking the time to get to know people. Uh, I think people really underestimate that portion of leadership and understanding that if you really want people to follow or if you want to have influence, you need to care and have compassion for the people you lead. You are privileged to lead those people. It goes into this idea of, of I believe it's 80% of people who leave their jobs is directly correlated to their dislike for the person that leads them. And that shows something because many of us, we don't even know each other on the job. We, we're just trying, we're so distracted by all the tasks and objectives and goals that we, we don't even recognize that our lack of relationship is a major barrier to achievement. So understanding yourself, understanding your team, and then understanding how we all work together. And one of the things that I use is uh, the color code uh, assessment. As a, I'm certified in color code assessment and being able to help leaders understand who are they. Uh, are you an uh, individual who is red, which is power? Are you an individual who is a very, in, in, very, uh, it is very meaningful to be intimate with people, which is, will be a blue? Are you someone who's, who like to have fun and like to enjoy? You'll be a yellow. If you're someone that, that's more peaceful and calm, you'll be a white. And it's being able to understand yourself, know where you stand, then being able to understand the team. And then how do we correlate these beautiful, uh, 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 p different personalities and how do we m bring them together for great harmonization, if you will. If you listen to music, you know that, you know, just because somebody sings in this part or somebody sings in that part, you bring it together. It's like, oh my Lord, this is so beautiful. That's how teamwork can be in every workspace, uh, specifically, uh, especially in nonprofit space. So yes, a new ED come into the picture. Uh, understanding who you are helps the development of the values for the organization you lead in, uh, especially if you're if you have the privilege to develop those values, understanding the people, understanding the vision. First, number one, understanding where you're trying to go as an organization will help you uh, decide what those values are and understanding who you are to know the type of values you have. Like for me personally, a good example. I value transparency. I really do. So every organization I've been a part of, that has been a great emphasis when I'm in that organization, especially since in most cases for me, I've always had to do to develop the values because we did not have it when I showed up. So transparency is a big deal and it's a big deal to me personally because I don't know how to work with people if I don't know if what you're saying is real, if it's true, or you, you know, have a facade. I believe that if I know who you are truly, I can really work with you because I know where you stand. I don't like the, you know, you say something to my face just because I'm the leader and then it's something totally different somewhere else. We cannot grow and we cannot go to the levels and the potential that we have as an organization if we can't be real with one another the same way if you're married to someone or if you have kids. It's really hard to motivate them. It's really hard to empower them if they do not trust you because you're not transparent. You're not you're you're not authentic. So yes, those knowing your personal values, understanding who you are personally definitely is vital, in my opinion, to the values of the organization. That's part of the process for us as a as a leadership group is helping people understand that a part of engagement is marrying personal purpose to organizational purpose. Have you um, first of all, thank you for that. And I'm going to ask you a little bit more about the color code um, in a second. But when you talk about marrying those together. Have you been in a position where you've had to work with a leader or a leadership team where they're so out of sync that you really have to take a step back and go, okay, we've got to start from zero 
and get everybody going in the same direction? Absolutely. Um, recently, I worked with a group of leaders, uh, a leadership team, and they were convinced that they did not need uh, alignment in vision. They felt that their vision was clear, their vision was uh, concise, and they felt the com- that everyone knew what the vision was. And within about the first hour of my time with them in our first official session, um, they had to admit that perhaps we do not have clarity. Perhaps we do not know what we are trying to accomplish or why we're doing what we're doing. And it, it came to a point where we made that pivot, which I was already prepared for because I felt from the initial meetings as we was courting each other that they really didn't understand vision and were not on the same page. Uh, but so, so to answer the question, my experience has brought me to the place where when we are prompt and guided with certain questions, certain uh, uh, examples to show what vision is and the and understand the education behind what these uh, vision mission values are and how they make an impact. My experience has shown me that people get to a place, these teams get to a place where they humble themselves and say, yes, we, we, we really don't know. And how can we get more clear? How can we take a step back and actually get to the root of our issues rather than uh, spend a lot of time with tension uh, from symptoms? Uh, so from my, from my unique experience, I believe, it's, it's been actually in sections. Every time we've had this type of tension, it's been in sessions where after one of my presentations, uh, people are like, OK, yeah, we, we, uh, we really don't know what we're doing. And we're not clear. We're not cohesive. We do not have synergy. And we need to get to a place where uh, we can identify the clear that destination before we can kind of iron out the wrinkles in the other spaces. So I'm going to ask you a uh, question. I'm, a, I'm imagining some leaders of a nonprofit are listening to this, right, mm-hmm. in the very near future. And they're kind of like going, wow, I wonder if he's talking about us. Like, is this our organization? <laughs> well, I don't mean it in a blaming way, but, yeah, you know, yeah. like when there's tension, people know it, right? Mm-hmm. We might not talk about it, but we see it, you know. And I always think about those are the, the places where you have the parking lot conversations. Mm. They're not happening in the room because people don't feel safe, right? Yeah. So, um they happen out of doors and you got to bring them back indoors. Mm-hmm. So, but imagine that there's someone listening to this, Elliot, and they're, they're scratching their head going, I wonder if that's us. Is there a question or two they could bring back to their team and say, Hey, I was listening to this guy and he suggested we ask ourselves this question. Mm-hmm. What would that question be to get them kind of started? I think the first question I would start out with is, do you, as a part of, a, of this team, feel that your passion and purpose aligns with our organization's passion and purpose? I ask that, number one, because it reveals off the bat if people even understand the purpose of the organization they're part of. And even as the leader, for mm-hmm. you to evaluate if you even understand the purpose of the organization you're leading. Number two is a question I've asked leaders is what drives you? Now, this may be odd. But when you really listen to individuals identify what makes them wake up, where they find passion, where they find purpose, where they find enjoyment, it gives you a good picture to now look at the organization and identify if any, if one or if any of their drivers align with what we do. Are they able to be their full self in this space? Perhaps the tension is that 
Once again, we do not understand the people we lead. So dear leader, do we even know the people we, we, we lead? And that's the color code helps with that because it identifies not the behavior of your team or even yourself, but it identifies the motive. So in other words, not what people do, because a lot of us will look at what people are doing. The color code will show you and your team what is your motive. Why do you do what you do? What has what has been your environment growing up that leads you or have led you to the way you operate? And that will help you see as a leader. Okay, let's say you have so-and-so who is, you just like, man, they're so disconnected. They're so disengaged. And you see the, uh, the results from the assessment and you say, oh, this person is a red. They are one who is who really uh, strive off of power and authority, and they don't care so much about the little details. So perhaps they're disengaged in meetings or in, in strategic planning and other things because you're sitting there taking up an hour talking about every little detail in the process. And they're just like, oh, man, can you just get to the point? then you may have someone else who's a white and they're like they're very peaceful they don't like to speak up but if you see research a lot of these individuals are uh the smartest people they have their their decisions or their uh answers or solutions to problems tend to be what most organizations make decisions on to uh find success because they are they they don't they they just look at the world in a way where they uh they're very focused they're not distracted by a lot of the uh iron a lot of the wrinkles that a lot of other uh colors may find distractions in and they don't and they rarely speak up they 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 keep it to themselves and you have to be intentional to know them so you can call them out to say you know what so and so what do you think because we haven't heard from you and you, you know, they speak and everybody in the room like, yeah, that's 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 the one. Let's go ahead and go with that. So, you know, it, it helps you by understanding yourself, understanding your team to get to a place where you can identify, OK, perhaps we are what Ellie is talking about. We are not clear on who we are, because as I've gotten to to know my team, as I've gotten to understand them better, the tension is that communication break there's a communication breakdown there's a there's we're very unclear on the future of our organization and what drives them is not even incorporated in the values of our organization you know one of my favorite sayings i can't remember who says it uh but the saying is miscommunication is the assumption that we communicated miscommunication is the assumption that we communicated and a lot of leaders fall, we fall in this space where we feel like we, because we said something, it's been communicated. And the truth of the matter is, it hasn't. We have to repeat, we have to understand, we have to refine, re even define what we're communicating. Uh so so yes, those are the questions. Number one, uh what are what is the what are the passions? What uh, do you does your personal passion and purpose Align with our organizational passion and purpose. Number two, what drives you? What drives you? Those are powerful questions. They can also be if the culture of the organization is not like you were talking about warm or transparent, it can be mm-hmm. scary to answer those questions, right? So if I answer these wrong, am I no longer part of the group? Yeah, that's am true. I being kicked out? <laughs> am I being kicked off the island, so to speak? Um, but those are the questions. And yes. I love how you use the color. Um, assessment that's similar to the Enneagram in terms of motivations. Like, what are you trying? What are your fears? What are your all that? Because we don't, we assume people see the world the way we do. And I, I just worked with a group on Wednesday of this week. So we're talking on a Friday, but it's so fun when you see someone like you're describing the person who's going, we could be getting stuff done right now. Right. (laughs) And then they listen to one of their colleagues say, yeah. And then, you know, 
I really, this is my story, and you can watch the frustration thing, but mm -hmm. this is necessary because if you want that person who needs the story to be with you, you have yes. to give them space for the story. Absolutely. You have to Absolutely. allow them space. And it's not a waste of time, and it's not fluffy. Um, and I'm one of those people that's like, can I just put my head down and work? And I'm <laughs> yeah. you. Not a good plan. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it excludes people. So, um, I do, I can't remember what my colors were. I'm not sure I want to remember now. I'll have to think of it. I'll get back to you on it. Um, we'll do, we'll do. Yeah. So, you know, right now is a heavy time on the planet and just globally and in our own country. What are you doing or how are you helping folks um, kind of find motivation and resilience in the face of the adversity or the challenges when they're working towards those meaningful goals? You know, I may sound redundant, but it is very true that that when we're clear on why and where, it is it, it allows us to to find motivation because it's deeper than just a paycheck or it's deeper than just walking in the room and being able to say, I got this award. It is being able to know that if I show up, this is the impact we make. And this, this is something that I mention to leaders all the time, especially um, uh, our faith-based uh, nonprofits is understanding that make sure you have a clear purpose and spell out very clearly the impact you are making because people gravitate towards impact. We saw this in the pandemic that a lot of people left their jobs because it gave them permission to try and make impact. Work in spaces where I am making an impact. Uh, research showed CNN, I remember in 20, uh, 21 have put out research that the pandemic did not uh, did not motivate people to leave their jobs. The pandemic accelerated plans that were already put together to leave their jobs. And it showed that the workforce at large desired to be in spaces that they felt purposeful in. And as leaders, I believe we have a specific cause, as you heard in the introduction. I truly believe my destination for my for me is a world where purpose drives what we do. I believe it's possible. I believe every organization can have purpose and make an impact in the world. And that be the driving force for the way we uh, show up at work. Uh, I, I am tired of hearing and I have experienced in my own in, in my own work journey, hating waking up to go work. I've experienced that and I am tired of hearing that that has that has pushed me to where I am today because of that burden that I have of people that they can't stand to go to work. That should not be the case. Work should not be seen in a negative light. We all are making impact. And if. If we as leaders are able to identify and very clearly show the impact we're making, even as we see the things that are happening in our world, even when we see the conflict, even when we see the diseases, even when we see, if we're able to be very clear and tie in why what we do makes a difference. For example, I remember listening to a podcast, I think uh, Patrick uh, Lincioni was talking about being intentional. Uh, even if for someone that's working in the airport and you and you're working at a restaurant and the airport is a place where it's a lot going on. You're stressed out as a traveler. You're you're you may have had a canceled flight and you're out this world. I've been in situations where I'm just outside of myself because of how crazy it is trying to travel. Understanding as a leader that you may you be be a manager of a restaurant and you say you have the opportunity to change someone's day by your kindness when you give them their food or take their order. As chaotic as, as everything is, you can be the person to make that type of impact to transform their travel day. I think people look different at their job. 
I think they look different at the impact that they're making. They'll be more clear to say everything I do, if it's mopping, if it is, if it's making a speech to 10,000 people, if it is, you know, just making sure that this, that this data is in the system by, by midnight. If you can identify clearly the purpose and the impact every individual can make, I think that will motivate and inspire people regardless of the the catastrophes and the uh, the sadness that many of us may experience. And also, I believe it helps those individuals when they leave your job. As I tell leaders all the time, leadership is such a privilege because you have the opportunity not just to accomplish great things from eight to five, but you have the opportunity to make an impact on somebody's life to the point that it's transforming what happens from six to 10 or from six to midnight or forever, whatever that timeline may be. Because of your leadership, you may be inspiring somebody to be a better father. Because of your leadership, you may be inspiring somebody to be a better mother. Because of your leadership, you may be inspiring somebody to be a better parent. You have no idea the opportunity you have in leadership, especially when the world is, it seems like, falling apart. Well, and it's easy to fall into the disaster story and make ourselves feel victims. Mm. Like, I'm too small to have an impact on all of this. But I think you just hit the nail on the head. Um, we don't know. And I love that example of the restaurant because it brought back something so similar last week. I was in a very busy space. I had a question and this gal, she, it wasn't her job to answer me, but I just we made eye contact and I said, I got a quick question, right? She stopped, she turned and she goes, what can I do for you, honey? <laughs> and But it was just like, I didn't expect it in that environment, right? Because it was yeah. hustling go busy, lots of people around. And I said, I just need to know where this is. And she goes, mm. okay, let me show you. She took like another 30 seconds to make sure I was right where I needed to be. And when I turned around and told my husband, I said, that is a great employee. Absolutely. I said, someone has told her to show up as herself and just take care of, take care of business, like the life of business, not just yeah. the business business. That's so, beautiful. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And we all are leaders, whether it's in our home or in our work or in our community. So I want to ask you um, uh, two questions. And one, though, is I want to ask you, like, what kind of legacy are you hoping to leave for your own children? Mm -hmm. That is a phenomenal question. Um, for me directly, I want my kids to know that they can do whatever they want to do. And I know it sounds cliche, but I come from a space where my father really opened the doors for where me and my siblings are today and how we're navigating through, through life because he did not have the same exposure and opportunities, but he opened doors by being intentional and re and, and uh, resilient and being exposed by certain relationships that he had, that there are op other opportunities. One of the greatest fears of mind is for my kids to not know that they could have been X, Y, Z, whatever it may be. And for them not to be able to do that because they didn't, they were not exposed. They didn't know it was possible. So my journey from being a pastor, I worked at Walgreens before I was a pastor, so being in that space of retail and then becoming a pastor, pastoring for years now, and now as a business owner. Five years ago, I would not have even thought about business ownership because I didn't know what it was. It came to a point where my leadership in my church got me to a point where a business owner in my church said, would you do what you did for our leadership team at my business, in my business? And then they asked me, how much do I charge? And that was the light bulb. I said, whoa, wait, I've been gifted in a space that I thought everybody knew how to do. And that's what started. And I started to read and it exposed me so much more to the point where I have a whole company now. You know, I'm, I'm still in the growing phase, still in the growing phase. We're still young, but the impact that I've been able to experience is directly tied to exposure. So my legacy that I want to leave with my kids is that I want to show them all every, I want every stone unturned. I want them to know they can be whoever they were designed to be. 
I love it. That's so great. And it sounds like you're going to be along the journey to make sure if they don't know there's a stone there, you say, let's lift this stone and see what's under it. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Going back to your business, um, you had indicated pre-interview that you are currently rereading or have just finished rereading The Vision Driven Leader by Michael Hyatt, right? Yeah. Um, What's one of your most recent takeaways from that? Like, why do you reread it? And then what's something you took away this time that you might not have seen in the same way the last time? Yes. So I think the reiteration of clarity, I think at times it can be so mundane that we, it's like, yeah, of course it's supposed to be clear. But just the framework that he provides to to be intentional in being clear with ourselves first, I think is made is a very overlooked component. It's being clear with ourselves first, then being able to identify very clearly with others what this pathway or or direction looks like. So, for example, I may sit in my chair in my office and go, "We should we should really be doing X." Y and Z. But many of us really don't take the time to write it out and make sure we we are clear on what X, Y, and Z actually looks like. So if we don't have a clear picture on what X, Y, and Z looks like, how do we expect anyone else to understand what we ourselves don't have clarity on? One of the dangers of leadership that I wrote in my notes based off of reading that book that I kind of just coined myself is the secret or silent killer to leadership is assumption. To assume puts us in a, in a, in a at and disadvantage because Assumption does not give us the opportunity to get the other perspective. It is us saying, we did it, it's done, they got it. When that is not necessarily true. So clarity is really the major word that came out this time around uh, when I read uh, 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 Michael Haddock's book again. And, uh, and, 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 and what I explain is why, because I've, I've gotten to the places in my life where clarity has been so overstated that I haven't thought about it deeply as I should, as I evolve as a leader and reiterate that in my leadership that I have to be more clear. I always tell leaders that I lead right now, I'm like, I'm not clear enough. As, as clear as I think I am, I'm still not clear. And a part of that is the repeating, the repeating, saying it over. Saying it over and doing it again. Uh, uh, for 2024, I literally was putting together. I'm like, okay, this is the presentation that I that I have for my leaders. We have an upcoming meeting, and I've already tried to put dates on my calendar where I'm going to redo the presentation throughout the year of 2024 to make sure that we keep it before the people. And then number two, uh, meeting one team on how to build supporting systems for accountability so that we can be very intentional in our messaging and being clear because uh, my downfall has been the same thing, clarity. I think I'm clear and I'm really not. Once again, like I stated earlier in, the, in this episode, uh, miscommunication is something that we communicated. I, I will own that myself. And even when we're clear at one stage of our life, things change. We need to come back. Mm-hmm. To but you've just given me my end of year assignment. Wow. <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, because it's really, it is, it's like testing. And I'm working with a coach right now in a group. It's very powerful. But, you know, he'll say, but I thought you said this last time. And I said, I woke up today and I'm a different person. And that doesn't fit, right? It's close, <laughs> yeah. but it's just not, it's not clear, right? Absolutely. And then, but like you're saying, you have to practice. And then it either resonates or I kind of sometimes go, no, that's not it quite, right? Yeah. Because you, it's hard to communicate. Otherwise. Absolutely. And, and Sarah, I would say as well, give as leaders, give yourself grace. It's OK to continue to refine. It's OK to continue to make it clearer 
because like you said already, we are growing, we are evolving. Uh, and to be honest, a lot of my clarity or a lot of my journey to clarity was delayed because I was trying to make things perfect. So once I felt like I had it perfect, I did not revisit it. And it was like, no, that's not what you should be doing. You should always be refining. You should always be reevaluating because there, the more you're exposed, that word again, the more you're exposed, the more you add to your mental dictionary, your mental picture, and you're able to define it even more clearly. You're able to picture it and draw it more clearly. So like 2024 for me, the vision has not changed. It's just the way that I'll be communicating it in 2024 will be more clearer than 2023. But if I never revisited it, it wouldn't be as clear as it's going to be in 2024. (laughs) I'm right there with you. And and I like thank you for the grace, because I was not being very kind to myself (laughs) earlier today, thinking, how come blah, blah, blah. Um, So I appreciate the reminder of that. And but in all sincerity, that really is my challenge right now is to like just retest the assumptions, yeah. right? Work on the communication because just because I think it, and for me, I'm very internal. So I will think we've had a conversation that actually <laughs> I probably just said half a two, maybe two or three sentences, right? But I think it's paragraphs. Yeah. And you're going, okay, um, what? <laughs> um, marriage helps you with that one. Yes, very much so. Oh, that's a whole other podcast. But it's true. But it is. It's like the communication. You can watch yeah. it's like the deer in the headlights look. It's like, did I, did we talk about this? Mm-hmm. I, I think only you thought we talked about it, right? <laughs> so, it, but you know, it translates out, the ripples go out. So, um, thank you for that. And you know, folks, one thing I'm very grateful you got to hear was you got to hear some of Elliot's laugh. And, he has the best laugh. It's so I appreciate heartwarming. <laughs> and I just, I'm moved by you and your passion. I, I'm, in all sincerity, Elliot, there's something very special about you. And I'm grateful for the organizations that you're serving and get to serve. And I hope our paths cross again. But I'm asking our listeners, if you like this episode, please share it. Share it with friends and colleagues. We will have Elliot's information in the show notes. Reach out to him directly. You know, he's a he's a virtual kind of guy. He can help from afar. And um, Elliot, I'm going to give you final closing thoughts on this. Yeah. Uh, first of all, let me say I am a very appreciative to be on this platform. You, Sarah, you talk about me, but you are really special. What you do is awesome. The way you connect people, the way you allow uh, your platform to inspire others is is not to be overlooked. So I want to uh, show you your flowers and give you your flowers and celebrate you for what you and your organization, your team is doing. So so that's that's first off. Um, secondly, uh, if I have you know any closing remark, it is telling leaders: look, make sure that you are clear on your purpose. You cannot inspire other people if you yourself is not inspired. Get to know your team, whatever that may be. I could help you with color code. I know uh, Sarah can help with the Enneagram. Get to know the people you work with. Get to know yourself. And get to know how you all can bring together the superpowers that you all have to accomplish a very clear, and impactful purpose because your organization, I don't care what industry you're in, your nonprofit can make global impact, but it starts with being clear on your purpose. It starts with being clear on your team. Who are they? Care about them, invest time into getting to know them and I will also say do the same with your board. You'll be surprised if you engage in conversation with your board members personally, you'll be surprised how engaged they will be uh, in your nonprofit as well. Thank you, Elliot. Thank you, listeners. And until next week, go out, be true to you and your business and your work, and have a positive impact in the lives of everybody you come in contact with. And until next week, Thanks. Bye.
You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic business coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. Please remember to rate, leave a five-star review, and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Till next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.